I don't know. What? <laughs> what? This I'm is, this made, is John. Made you, made you think, huh? <laughs> Listen, John. I'm fine with you recording me, except for when I say the word the. So you have to bleep out every single time I say the word the. See, Kip, this it. is what we're talking about. Bleeping is expensive, man. <laughs> I mean, it's not as hard as it looks, but I mean, at the same time, this is what we're talking about. Was having been man, wait, not this make this visual. Having been an audio producer engineer, um, if I had to bleep out every the, it, it comes down to about twenty bucks a pop. Is yeah. that just through audio? Bleeping is expensive. Is uh, that just a? Is that a rights thing, or is that a that a just a time thing? It's just a time thing. Okay. If and and I'm talking about local here, South Carolina University of South Carolina was when I was an employee there as an audio producer engineer. If you were in Hollywood and you're paying your sound editor, I don't know, hundred dollars an hour. Bleeping is some comes yeah. to some money. Yeah. Especially if you were bleeping out every the, but I mean, just just getting him. Look, you got to go through. You got to listen, and every single occurrence of something you must bleep out. You take a one-hour podcast. Well, there's an hour of his time. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't stop to find anything, he's just got to listen through it, mm. right? In order to find the words. Yeah. Bonkers. Yeah, I've 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 no desire to 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 go if, unless I was being paid, which unfortunately uh, I'm gonna this pay is, this you. Is, this is all about the love, not about the money. Paying you with love, John. Paying you with yeah. love. I'll take that. All so the yeah. shares. I I so will. I'll take that. We're those. being recorded. We're we're being recorded. We've we've <laughs> we've gotten two minutes in. See, this is the other thing, Keith Harris. So we've gotten two minutes into into the podcast before. <laughs> No, that's it, because this is what we call a cold open before we leave the theme, right? And good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, folks. Welcome to Karate Without Belts. My name is John. I'm I'm joined today by two illustrious gentlemen. Uh, first, uh, I will introduce him because I found out we have a we have a distant family connection, as it were. Introducing to the podcast uh, the one, the only Keith. And I'm going to try to get this right because I asked Dan before. Mosher. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. Just like just like kosher, but with an M. All right. Mosher kosher. Welcome, sir. Welcome. It's good to have you. you. And of course, the only reason uh, Keith is here is by the benevolence of the man, the myth, uh, the the guy who's got this. Everyone says he's got a green gi, but it's not that. um, Dan Bernardo. Welcome, Dan. Ciao, ciao. How you doing? I'm getting by getting i mean i'm doing actually pretty all right it's been a weird couple weeks weird yeah. couple weeks but doing good doing good um welcome gentlemen we had to get through a couple technical things but here we are finally keith dan what have you guys been doing this week in terms of training oh man. so this uh this week has been primarily uh back kicks we've um we've been working on a lot of uh kind of Angled entries, retreat entries, any way that you can enter and use back kicks. Um, um, and so that's always been kind of fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically the the theme of my last couple of weeks of training um, in classes and such. Nothing fancy. Cool. Taking out the back, as it were. <laughs> Keith, sir, how about yourself? Um, this past week on the books was groundwork. Um, I every week I go through I have about 10 topics very generalized topic however due to various conditions I didn't have a lot of students showing up so I ended up with a student who needed to start to work on his intermediate form and by that Wing Chun has 
six primary forms, three primary standing forms, a beginning form, Silam Tao, which if you search Wing Chun and on the web, that's all you'll see for mm. the most part. Chum Q, which is an intermediate form. He's I got a student who's just learning that, just starting with that. We focused on that a good bit today. Um, had a couple other people in there. And though it was groundwork, I focused more on locks, wrist locks in particular, how to lock them, because I have seen in the past <laughs> students try and use too much body when it's all really tiny steering wheel kind of stuff. So that was today. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds great. Been a while since I've been able to work with anybody and doing that. And that. It's always the little things, right? It's never so, and always people trying to over muscle. And when you actually get down to it, it's just mechanics. That's something that Dan and I talk about all the time. We find constant comparisons between what he does and what I do. And we were just talking today. It's all Qigong and Tai Chi. It's all the little things. It's relaxing and just small movements are the main, as long as the energy is in the right place. Isn't that the goal? The goal is not to be big and grandiose. I mean, I know that's what most guys do these days. Let's pump a lot of iron. I'm going to get really big and that's how my martial art gets better. But that's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be an understanding of flow of energy, in which case it all becomes very small movements. Don't you think, Dan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, too many people try to make, uh, how should I say, you know, we talked about like, like the tangential movements. They're moving out here with their fingers, with their hands, and their hands are doing things, but they're doing things independently from the body. I and mean, all you have to really do is just a slight movement of the body, and the hands move a lot. So if like if you keep your hands still and you move your body just a little bit, your hands move a lot. You don't have to move your hands. You just move your body, and then you have a good structure to move. That I think people struggle with a lot. And I think that goes into what you guys uh, kind of gone through. And I think this is a great segue. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago. You guys had a little bit of a shindig and it had a very interesting title called. um, Well, I'm going to let you guys say this because I don't want to get it wrong. (laughs) But I think it was universal. Everything that's martial is universal or universal martial. You're so close. Martial law. (laughs) Good martial good martial is universal. And so, you know, when I was talking about moving the body to move the hands, and you start to look at no matter what martial art that it is, they all use the same tool. Well, except for weapon arts, but empty hand arts all use the same tool. Body. And so, you know, if you look at um karate, taiji chuan, wing chun, White crane, wrestling, I don't care what it is. We all do the same stuff. The only thing that differs is how it's taught, not what is taught. And so the whole weekend we decided to, because Keith teaches um, different martial arts than I do, and yet we're constantly looking at each other and going, yeah, we, we do that exact same thing. And not only do we, the, we do the same thing, but we do it for the same reason. It has the same purpose. So we decided to create a weekend where we train in different martial arts with the same uh, looking at the same principles and how they're taught differently within the different martial arts. And that was it was a lot of fun. I I would say not only how they were taught differently, there was literally one specific day where we kind of focused on, okay, in Tang Sudo, we teach this this way. In mm-hmm. Wing Chun, we teach the same thing this way. Mm-hmm. But the focus was also to distill down to what is that universal part. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, again, let's take what I was working this morning a wrist lock. Dan has wrist locks. I have, because the wrist works only so many ways, it's mm-hmm. the same on all of us. When you get into some people studying a kata that maybe has a wrist lock on it they get so focused in 
the grand appearance of the movement, they forget that the wrist lock is this little part, this little thing. And so the idea of the workshop was to let's cut away all the chaff. Let me quote Michelangelo, cut away all the stone that is not David. Okay? okay, take the granite. There's a David in there. Let me cut away all the stone that is not David. Let's cut away all the flourish that is not. Oh, here's the wrist lock. And it's the same in that art, that art, that art, when you get down to that level. Yep. You know, when when you start to then look at um, just basic principle ideas like trapping, like neutralizing and controlling incoming force, like footwork, like like all, all of these things, they're they are the same. And, and we had a we had a really good time showing again, like like he said, just how they're taught, but then going, oh, that's the same thing and getting people to go. That's it was good. It was fun. Like Dan would show a trap from one of his young or something like that. And then I would go, we do the same thing. But here's an entry that we might use. And a lot of dance students would go, would, they'd have trouble for a moment, but then they would realize they're doing the same thing. And when Dan was showing his approach, a lot of my students or Wing Chun folk would for a moment have trouble, but then realize, oh, this, this one core part is the same. Mm -hmm. And once they got a hold of that on both sides, the rest of it became easy. Mm-hmm. It's it was funny. Like, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, I want to hear a funny thing. Tell me a funny uh, well, thing, Dan. Well, it, it was funny because, like, you know, Keith would show something, and I would I would notice my students get confused, and I would show them the form from us, and they would go, oh! And then the, this, the, the same thing backwards. His student would get confused, and then he would show them, oh, he would do that, and they would go, oh! And they, that's how they got it. So, like, it was, it was a... Uh, uh what do you call um what would, what would that word be moments of epiphany yeah but it was of tied insight. it was tied to their person you know the, the the thing that they know it was tied to recognition recognition is uh, a good word what yeah. what happens for a lot of people you're looking to do a specific thing let's take something very straightforward like strike somebody but we get focused on all the preparatory movements around that. And so we lose sight of, well, all this really is, is moving my center forward, sinking my weight and, and striking. So we would show something, Dan would show something and my students would go, I, I don't quite get it. They get confused by all the preparatory stuff around the core. And then I would show them something that they had done a hundred times and, oh, okay. Like Dan said, there'd be that moment of recognition. Oh, okay, that's the thing. We, as humans, we confuse ourselves with all the extras on the outside. But a good martial artist should recognize it's the little core stuff that's actually doing the job. It's not the gun, it's the bullet and the gunpowder, okay? Mm. You take the gunpowder and the bullet, that's what does the job. It could be a BFG or a pistol. <laughs> Right. But people look at the, the they look at the container mm -hmm. and they don't. That's what they focus on. Mm -hmm. They don't focus on. Oh, well, it's expanding gas and a piece of lead. Yeah. Yeah. That's the and same. That's with the a same. rotating metal thing that goes right. on the other end. Yeah. Right. That's the same, whether <laughs> it's a BFG it or a pistol. It's exactly <laughs> the same. Um, and one thing I will say, uh, Keith, is that you you I, I think Dan, it was Dan who said this last time I had him on. It was like you had this like great idea to basically uh, do this commercial of like like looking looking toward the stars or something like that and i was like that's awesome who is this man i want to know him better um yeah it was totally his idea can he adopt me i know <laughs> i'm almost 35 but he we what led to it was uh, dan and i have worked side by side in our own independent capacities for probably going on 12 years is that about right uh, when did you 10... start it 10 years when did you start at the old place i think that i think i started there in 2012 okay well and then we and then you moved in 2016 12 years but yeah yeah 12 so it's two now 
Okay, yeah, so ten, 10 years. years. Okay, yeah, ten years. Who cares about and, that? Math. So, yeah. Algebra. So, over that course of time, uh, Dan would post a Hume, and I'd write a comment. Oh, that's right out of Chum Q. <laughs> or I would do something, and he go, "You know, we do something just like that." And, and especially since he moved to his own place and he let me teach there. One thing that I noticed, and I've mentioned it before, and I found I find this fascinating. I have a, a script. I plan out my classes to some degree. I have 10 major topics. And this is to force me to go over everything that Wing Chun has, because Wing Chun is a complete art. I do groundwork. I do weapons, everything. I have to be sure. People like to do what they do best. As an instructor, I have to teach everything. So I have this script. And I'll come in and Dan's class will be doing the same thing that we're getting ready to work on. And he and I have not talked. Or I'll be in and Dan will come in on Saturdays and he is getting ready to do the same thing that I am working on. Or his students will comment, we were just working on. And mm -hmm. so that has happened for us more times than either of us can count over the last oh, yeah. 10 years. Oh, yeah. And from that, Dan said, you, we started talking about, we need to do a workshop. I think I came out one evening as he was heading out to his car. And I said, you know, you need to do a work. You need to do a workshop. We need to do something like that. And it was within a few days, he agreed and we came up with some ideas. And then to lead to what you were just talking about, I walked in one Saturday and Dan said, what are we going to do for a commercial? And I said, just follow my lead. And I <laughs> handed a camera to a guy. And so just pointed at us and I just walked up and patted Dan on the shoulder. Dan, we need to do a workshop about the universal aspects of martial arts. <laughs> and yeah, took it and ran. Yeah, that was it. That was it. What I found most beautiful about that was just like, because the reason why I find that so beautiful and the reason why I was I was so moved by that was less that like oh it's you know two guys who are clearly friends but it's also that oh it's two martial artists who are just agreeing who do different things and just agreeing to do thing them together and with really no apparent ulterior motive of like trying to steal students or trying to one-up another guy or trying to like m embarrass somebody you know all the other things that have i'm sure we've all seen throughout the years traditionally happen in those circumstances and what it and I, sound sounded like from what you guys talked about and why i want to kind of draw that out of you guys a little today is because it, it just seems completely genuine and altruistic yeah. that yeah. you want your students to do do that and there's no like come over to me i i really know the stuffer not to bring up those negative aspects but unfortunately those things have always kind of plagued those type of interactions Unfortunately, they exist because of marketing. You got to come to my martial art because it, because I, I have to tell you it's better so that you will come to my martial art. And then I have to tell you, and this might be a little before your guys' time, but still, there was a drive. You cannot go to another martial art because it will corrupt your core martial art, mm -hmm. which is it's a commercial thing. It's, I, I need you to keep, I need to keep you as a student that however, one Dan doesn't have that. I don't have that Wing Chun being a relatively newer emergent martial art doesn't have it built in. In fact, it has built into it, go out and acquire other things. Um, Wong Ting, one of the more recognized modern instructors in a book in the mid 1970s, he, he has all his senior students go out when they get to a certain level, when they get to their the closed door stuff, the private stuff, the high level stuff, what would be called black belt or whatever. Um, he has he requires them to go out and study another martial art and bring aspects of it back in to the school because it's because as Dan and I were talking it's all universal. A wrist lock is a wrist lock is a wrist lock. I don't care if you're a BJJ guy or a JKD or a Wing Chun or Tung Zido or Chin Ah or whatever. A 
wrist lock is a wrist lock is a wrist lock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think because Keith, you and I have known each other for so long, and we we have existed in the same space for so long, that helps a lot, you know, because yeah. we we don't we we don't have that competitive nature with each other. And it's not so much that we may not be competitive, but um, but we don't have that competitive nature with each other. I but, don't think we're competitive, to tell you the honest truth. Yeah, like I, we're, that's just not who we are. And mm. you know, part of it too. <laughs> I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday, and it reminded me of a of something that happened. Uh, I don't know, a couple years ago, a few years ago, when somebody somebody uh, um, called me, and he said. Hey, a martial arts school just opened up right across the street from me. What should I do? And I said, go invite him to lunch. Make a friend. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm, I mean, like, what happens if he takes my students? Da, 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 da. And I said, I said, why do you teach? And he said, what do you mean? I said, why do you teach? Well, you know, I, I want to I wanna better the community and I want to better the students and I want kids to grow up in this way and da 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 I said, I said, fantastic. So the more people that do that, the better, right? And he went, uh, I said, the more people that do that, the better, right? You can't teach everybody. So why are you really teaching? And he was like, uh, <laughs> but it's true. You know, a lot of times we teach and we we open schools and we have this grand philosophical ideal about what we want to do to the community and and how we want to, you know, uh, 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 teach kids to be disciplined and confident and become leaders. And then we get upset when somebody opens up and tries to do the same thing, like something's missing. And so it, it goes it goes deeper than just your martial art is is my martial arts is better than yours or my martial arts is it's deeper than that. It is a human tribal thing that we just, we don't want, we, we want to be the man we want to be, you know? And I think that that gets trickled down into everything that we do. I mean, when I used to work, I used to work at a church and I mean, I would hear, I would hear the same crap coming from churches even churches within the same denomination would compete for members. Why? Not because they wanted to save their souls, because they wanted to make sure they get their money. And this fits coming from the same presbytery, doesn't it? Oh well. Uh, <laughs> like wait, wait, wait. I mean, I don't know if you guys were like ever part of Presbyterians, but like, didn't you ever hear of Presbyterian plastic? Um, yeah. No, do tell. Uh, no, it's basically like lines <laughs> of credit religious groups get and like, yeah. you know, tax free. And, you know, mm. the, like there's a there's a head to all these things. And that's where all the money flows anyway. So like we're so worried about like the under guarding stuff where it's like now you 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 have guard. You have like anyway, we're not this isn't this isn't the, gotcha. <laughs> the, the, gotcha. the, we don't want to John. venture too far into that. We can, Otherwise, we, we get canceled and or become really popular. Yeah. Otherwise, John. John. Why did why do you study a martial art? Why do I study a martial art? Good question, Keith. Um, right now, it's because it's what's keeping me on, or what's keeping me going. If I can. Okay, so it's, if, it's if about, I can, if I can put it that way, but I mean I don't want to get too serious. Yeah, but it's a, it's about something that's yeah, inside yourself. Okay, so why do you teach? It's actually my job, but um, but teach martial arts like, but but actually but teach martial arts is because it's just literally the thing that inside me wants to go out like as much i think it's pretty much what any other human us as human beings us as living beings are like i am living being thing inside of me wants to go out to other human beings why does bon jovi play the guitar i i I don't really listen to (laughs) i'm from philly and i'm I'm like and i'm i was everyone's like bon jovi and i'm like no, why does, but, why does Rembrandt paint? Why? Because there's something inside them that the act of doing it is pleasurable and they need it to go out. We run into trouble, unfortunately, when we conflate that with money. Hence Dan's guy. Oh, somebody across the street. What if he takes my students? Wait a minute. Why do you why do you do a martial art? Because I enjoy it. Why do you teach it? Because I, it just oozes out of me. And there's some people that go, hey, 
show me your stuff. That's really all it should be. Can you make a living at it? Yes. And most schools that make a lot of money at it don't actually make money out of the martial art. They make out of money out of the periphery around it. Pizza night, movie night for the parents, movie night for the kids. <clears throat> we'll pick your kids up at school and the bus so you don't have to worry about them. <clears throat> Let's make the money out of being babysitters so that for a little teeny while we can be a martial artist. I mean, so, John, let me ask you, the the karate uh, schools in Japan and Okinawa, are they huge and commercial? Thank you for making that a separate thing. Um, Oh, yeah, they are definitely definitely the same thing. thing. Um, Hold on. Let me me address address Keith's thing, and then I'll I'll go right to to Dan's point. But Keith... I, there's a lot of people who say that and say that's a negative thing. And I actually think that's a positive thing. I actually think that's a good thing. That I think there, I'm not there saying are, Yeah. You're, I, I, but you're absolutely right in saying that, that like, that is somehow these places now, nowadays, because I feel maybe a long time ago that wasn't the case. But nowadays, they've essentially become refurbished to be like a better version of the YMCA. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's ultimately a, a good thing because it goes to what Dan was talking about. Because the community isn't going to just do punching and kicking all the time, every day, right? They want a movie right. night. They want a pizza night. They want the parents' night, right? They want brews and boozes. Um, go out to a bar and learn martial arts, right? Um, something like that. And I'm not saying you were saying that was a negative thing, Keith. But I was just yeah, saying. Yeah, like, I'm not saying. I'm saying that there are two different ways of doing this thing. And one is as a business. And one is this is what I want to do. And Dan and I do not run into, well, essentially we're two different martial arts schools in the same building, but we don't run into conflict because that's not why he or I do what we do. We do what we do for the same reason that John Bon Jovi plays the guitar because something somewhere when he was a kid, he picked up a guitar and said, this is the thing. Music is the thing. And he did it so much that other people said, I got to hear what this guy's doing. Well, it's the same with Dan or me. Oh, okay. This guy does it so much. I got to go see what he's doing. I just do it to do it. Yeah. Dan just does it. To, I mean, yes, he needs to make some money. We all need to make some money, but it's not like neither of us are going to compromise what we're doing in order to make the money. Right? And, and I think, I think the majority of people feel they need to, and I, they don't need to. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good distinction because, you know, feeling like you need to, usually means that you do but when you don't feel like you need to if you don't feel like you need to you can totally do all those other things and it won't compromise what you're teaching Honestly. and i think that's the that's the big distinction um and, and i don't, I don't want to get into it too much about that because you know i have i have friends who run all sorts of kinds of martial arts schools but a lot of the times what i think people struggle with it when they when they do create a martial arts school and they want to start teaching and they want to be successful and professional at it is they're not entirely sure who they are they're not entirely sure why they want to teach what they're teaching and so when 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 push comes to shove and it does and business is hard when they start to struggle paying bills they go i need to make the money and so they'll do things to make the money and and that I think is when they start to to lose that. They can regain it. They can, you know, whatever. But if, it, but yeah, if you if you are not concerned, you know, if if you if you know who you are, what you teach, why you teach, you could do all sorts of things, and it will not change. It won't change your martial. One thing I want to circle back to Dan was what you asked me about Japan and Okinawa. So there are obviously commercial schools here, but they're not the majority. In mm-hmm. fact, I'd say they're probably, generously speaking, 25% of what's of the schools here. Yeah. 75% of the schools in Japan and in Okinawa are not run in a specific space that is specifically for a school, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a rented out facility. It's generally, and this is where the big difference between the United States and Japan, and I think other places in the world are, is that there is still a value in many places for community centers, Mm -hmm. for places where 
nobody owns it. It's like it's owned by the community. It's publicly run. Um, it's done through a gym or a school or a, or somewhere that's that that's open to the public, right? That causes its own issues because I mean, like you don't own the space, mm-hmm. but you don't need. But and so I mean, seventy five percent. I'd say. I mean. I don't know personally. I don't know how much money goes in from the students to the teachers and stuff like that. I don't know where that financial end ends up. Mm-hmm. But like, sure. I've I've been living here for almost nine years now, and most of the time, like, I remember I I had talked to one of the places and that I had tried to rent a place from, and I don't know. It was a little bit of a confused situation. But they essentially just let me go into a gym for like an hour or whatever for free or for like very, very low cost. And, you know, we had a little thing there for a little bit. But I mean, yeah, you know, the gyms here, the gyms and all the schools are very well kept, but they're also very public. They're mm-hmm. always in a separate building generally than mm-hmm. from apart from the school. Mm-hmm. So it's it, you don't run into an issue of like people walking into the school or something like that. It yeah. doesn't really happen during the day. But then it's also the community centers are generally run by the towns and they want and they they, they make sure that they're public, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of privately owned properties that do that. There are those mm-hmm. they do exist. I've been to a couple of them, but they're gener- they're not the majority, at yeah. least not in the country slash burb parts of Japan. Once you get into the cities, then it's a kind of a little different, but I think it's pretty much everywhere in the world. So to answer true. that question. True. So. Yeah. Yeah. And and that that I think is such a a unique look or a unique perspective of looking at, you know, the way that they're run here versus like the if you were to say that the Japanese martial arts as they're run in the West versus how they're run in Japan. And, you know, it just that that just um, which just a juxtaposition. That's the word. Mm-hmm. I think Westerners need to experience or, or need to at least be aware of because here we just think oh, I go and I sign up at the karate school like that's. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and uh, generally speaking, it's public and it's not the expense that everyone makes it out to be, at least mm-hmm. depending on the place. So yeah. I heard a thing about Steven Seagal's Aikido school this week and his like son <laughs> running it um, somewhere in Osaka. And I'm like, kind of want to just stop by and see that what's would going be on. so interesting yeah <laughs> keith would would you like us to fund fund you coming here and uh then we can go on an adventure oh to i i would you yes that would be um awesome that would be especially, awesome especially go see Steve especially Steve. to go see his school of all schools i didn't know right didn't there know is kind was of still the, open right there would be kind of the encapsulation of what we're talking about right? <laughs> privately run school that is probably more worried about students than students well-being if you catch my drift Mm. probably more worried about generating notoriety than quality Mm. probably all encapsulated right there (laughs) where does he where does he live now i don't know asia um, is this home? Is he, I, it, I, I don't know. I don't want to get get too much on the Seagal, on the Seagal track. Um, yeah. That's a different episode for a different time. A different but, episode, yeah. But I mean, how did you guys, I guess, at the end of the workshop, towards the end of what you guys were doing and kind of looking back on it, what do you guys feel like you got them, like you, both you guys and your students, how do you guys feel like you kind of came away from that weekend? Um, and what do you think, like, going forward would you want to do something like that again what were kind of lessons learned best of you guys on that i i said from the outset with dan because this was the first time that we were doing this that he and i would learn more than any of the students that were there and and we did um it was now the plan is for there to be what did you just what did we decide dan two a year two a year yeah so we're going to do it again um we learned about timing that's it difficult thing mm-hmm. kind of the gist of the original ad hey dan well well pick a time oh well how about in just literally a month and a half uh no let's have more time ahead and look out for things that are happening around the time period um in terms of the flow i felt pretty good about it um in terms of the me- it's the mechanics 
of the workshop that I learned the most about. Um, don't buy too many t-shirts ahead of time, blah, 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 stuff like that. There was merch. Mm-hmm. There's merch. Yeah. There still is merch. You want a shirt? I'll send you my address and I'll send, I'll send, send what do you need give, me, for give me my address. I'll send in a size and I'll send you a shirt. Hell, I'll send it to you for free. <laughs> I got, got a box I, of I shirts, man. <laughs> that is what real martial arts is about. It's not about the training. It's not about the training. It's the merch from the weekend. It's, a, merch. it's about how good you look in the end, right? It's, yeah, what, what's the good of being able to kill somebody if you don't look good doing it? Like, come on, come on gotta have style man wow. <laughs> i learned i learned a lot um and i i don't think that i can really sum it up well um but one one thing that i know more and more and more is that the importance of it and what i think what i think usually happens and i've, I've kind of seen a few people here and there do something similar to what we've done in that you get a bunch of different martial artists together and you can take and you can cross train for a weekend. That's not what we did. And I think that is the uniqueness of what we did and the um, importance of what we did. It wasn't that you're going to you're going to OK, at this block in time, you're going to train with a Kempo guy at this block in time. You're going to train with a Kali guy at this block in time. You're going to do Muay Thai at this block in time. You're going to do BJJ. That's not what we did. We we literally the whole weekend was Keith and I basically immersing people in universal principles. So you did Wing Chun, you know, the people did Tung Sudo, they did Tai Chi, they did sword work, they did all these things, but that wasn't the point. The point was we did trapping, we did controlling, we did striking, we did we did principles tangentially you learned how those principles were done in the different styles that we teach and that i think i think we will will be better planned next time on the things that we are cross-referencing we will we may you know i think the time you know that the length of the seminar will will modify if we need to but uh, overall i mean i don't think anybody left not having learned a lot I, I I received no negative review. Everybody had told me, uh, well, you know, it, it was just they were blown away. It was it was amazing, and it wasn't to the point where, you know, like for instance, you go to a seminar and three hours in, you go, I have no clue what I did an hour ago, right? Like how often does that happen? Whereas what we did, we took everybody through literally learning four or five different martial arts, but they all did the same thing. And we had a, and, and, and we didn't do a whole lot, but they all learned the same thing. So like by the end, they were all doing the same stuff and they got it. It was really cool. It was really cool. You didn't end up with people coming away going, well, you know, gosh, they do that better. Right. In Muay Thai. You know, they clinch better in Muay Thai. Well, no. Right. They came away with a better appreciation of what it was all about, that core. What is that core thing that makes whatever technique it is you're working with? There was a striking section. There was a trapping section, a controlling section, a application section attached to the trapping session. So they got to see it in their way. Then they got to see it from another perspective, which didn't make them then go, okay, well, the other guys have a better handle on it. It actually, oh, the other guys give me a better handle on the way I've been doing. And all camps came away with that feeling that they had learned more about their own camp by being able to compare and contrast with another camp that's doing the same thing. I I think it's. That's the best version of that. You can easily get people to fall into what you were just talking about, right? When you go in and, and train with other people, right? And again, get that looking over on the other side of the field sort of deal. But the way you guys had planned it, it was it was looking at the base code of one thing and then saying, oh, look, at the same thing's got the same base code, right? We just like start it, started from a different point and go on a different angle. All um, flowers use a Fibonacci sequence, different flowers. They all look different. They all do the same thing the same way using the exact same math. 
cool. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I'm I'm looking forward to doing it again. I I hope that each time it gets bigger and and I would love to have more teachers as long as they have the same vision and have the same desire when they're teaching. I would love to have more more eyes and more more ingredients for the soup. Well, if I was to fly out to South Carolina for that, I just I wouldn't be teaching. I'd just be sitting there as grandmaster of riffs. this is what i told one of our other friends uh which is like i'm trying to get this big okinawa seminar together and it's like it was like you need more teachers like no we need more chiefs not more 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 indians not more chiefs i'm like i'll be grandmaster of just sitting there and 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 making jokes and maybe pouring people water (laughs) (laughs) that's what i've got to add i would Uh, love to have you john i would love to have you god i wish we would make that work a little better uh, if flights were cheaper and shorter. Dude, I can't imagine how much it would cost yeah. to fly out to Japan to here. Gosh. Eh, two grand. Something That's like that. Like, inflation. Yeah. Uh, inflation. Well, gentlemen, uh, is there anything we want to add before we kind of close the, close the not close the books on it, but um, at least stop there for today in terms of the universality of martial arts? Well, I think... Um, it's a good it's a good shout out to Keith. He has a YouTube channel. Ooh. Um so uh, drop definitely go definitely drop that link. You don't have to share any of my stuff. I, we're obviously going to share your stuff too. <laughs> nah. But I, I also want to shout I Who's Keith? Dan about Who's this. Keith? Well, yes, Thank Keith, you. what is your YouTube channel for 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 our listeners? There's going to oh be a link. Oh gosh, it's so yes, it's a, there's a link. It's so hard to to remember. It's called Wing Chun and Martial Arts. Did you get? Did you start that in like 2002? Because like the the, the... probably well no that channel I started probably around 2016 2017 okay. somewhere in there. Um, I think the short link is Wing Chun. They they now YouTube now gives you a handle and I think my handle is Wing Chun SC as in South Carolina. Okay. But look up Wing Chun and Martial Arts. Because okay, so we'll we'll definitely link, we'll, link for we'll, that. We'll, we'll see this and okay. Okay. Yeah, Wing looking Chun looking up arts. Wing Chun SC brought yeah, you brought, brought your your trailer channel from twenty twenty one up. Yeah. Got um, it. Yeah. All right. Well, that is that will be there for everyone to see. Um, no problem. No problem. And I, I want to shout out Dan's uh, now venture into TikTok daddom, <laughs> where he he's just doing dad jokes on TikTok, and now I'm it's, not even he, on TikTok. Well, don't even forget his calligraphy. And, don't forget his calligraphy. And his calligraphy and like the man's yeah, gangbusters. I have a, a holiday special right now. Uh, with a coupon code <laughs> that has gone gangbusters, millions of views. We need to do some sort of Christmas special now. Oh my god, <laughs> I don't have time for this. But at the same time, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll be up all night writing it. Uh, <laughs> maybe next year, gentlemen. Maybe next year. Thanks, all right, Thanks. cool. Well, we'll get. Well, my friends, Keith, what are we doing next week or or in the coming week for March for training? Next week is forms work, so we will concentrate on forms. And the following week will be striking, uh, and it goes through, like I said, these 10 general topics. So next week is forms work. A couple of students have an intermediate form to learn. A couple of students have to really knuckle down with their first form, Silam Tau, and I have... uh, senior student that really needs to work on uh, the last closed door form the secret form UG, which is mm. not secret anymore but that's the way it used to be back in the old days of just 150 years ago <laughs> ancient. Yeah, ancient ancient times okay cool i'm gonna be cool. teaching the closed door front kicks first closes close then just just Yes, the closed door uh, uh, technique of arm drag. Arm drag. Close the door. Yeah, there you Close go. Close the door. As long as no one's holding the door, right? <laughs> that, that, incli- that requires time travel. 
Yeah, I'm not there yet, man. All right. Cool. Thank you, John. Thank you. Uh, Dan, yes, how about you? you? Uh, what are we doing next week? Yeah. Neutralization. Neutralization of incoming force. Um, that will be the main topic of next week. So focusing primarily on stance work, um, focusing on mobility in the hip joints and the psoas, mobility in the knees and the ankles, and being able to absorb and neutralize incoming force, whether you're grabbed or punched or whatever, you know, take the hit. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Interesting. Well, think of it this way. Like, um, so tungsudo, one thing that tungsudo does that I like that you see in, in other martial arts as well, um, if you look at the forms, the majority of the techniques work really well if you can get control over the opponent's limbs and their structure. However, if I'm fighting like sport karate and I'm trying not to get hit, it's going to be hard to grab and control the other person's limbs. But if you let them hit you, like really hit you, and they want to put their fist through you, oh, guess what? They gave you their fist. <laughs> you don't mm. have to reach for it. You don't have to grab for it. But you have to be able to neutralize that force or else it'll uh, it'll hurt you. So, um, you know, actually, Keith, you are the first person to kind of um, awaken me to that long time ago in a JKD class. I don't remember what we were doing. I think it might have been. Oh, okay. Uh, gate, what is that called? Gate drills. Typically yeah. called gate drills. We were, yeah. I think we were doing gate drills. And, you know, at one point you hit me and I tried to, like, do something. And so, like, you you were able to just kind of go, boom, and hit me in the head. And and I remember saying to you, like, I, I'm sorry. I was, I was trying to not let you hit me. And I remember you said something like, who cares? Just Just turn and hit me. And I went. And it like, yeah, I don't know if I've ever told you that, but that that was one of the first times that I went, oh, it's okay to get hit because growing up was I was I mean, I grew up mostly in a sport karate type of background, even in even in Tungsudo. And you're out here just trying to play tag and you don't want to get hit because if you get hit, there's a point you're going to lose if you get hit, even if the hit doesn't do anything to you. Just like we were talking about this morning, looking at a couple of big time Wing Chun and MMA guys sparring. Yeah. And half of their hits, their their heads going back to avoid getting hit mm-hmm. as they tag the other guy in the face. Mm-hmm. That is not a fight. That is a game of tag where we've agreed we can't run away. Mm-hmm. But it's just tag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I cannot hit you and pull my head back and have it be anything. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just stretching at that point to a degree. Right. Well, my body weight, my center is obviously moving away. So, yeah, you have to let the – you don't have – Sifu Fu says let the guy hit at you. Uh, let, let the guy hit toward you, not at you. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not hitting at you. You move or shift or deflect so he's hitting toward you. Mm-hmm. This is toward me. This is at me. Mm-hmm. So just like, yeah, in that drill. Yeah, well, don't worry about it. Just let it come toward you. Hit me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that was that was kind of the big, you know, the, a, a big eye opener for me. I don't know, 10, 10 years ago or so. Yeah. If, if you get into if you get into a fight with somebody, you, you're going to get hit. Use it. Don't yeah. don't get hit and then go. You know, get hit, use it, but you have to. And so, you know, you, you have to be able to neutralize and control that incoming force. And so that's it's, uh, it's so rarely known though, or, or thought about in that way. Going back mm-hmm. to Sensei Logue sitting on Gary Shell's front porch on a training Sunday. I said uh, Sensei Logue asked me about, you know, what do you think about martial uh, karate? And I said, well, I know I'm going to get hit. And he stopped me right there and he said, you'll be fine. And what he meant was, you've already got this figured out. (laughs) (laughs) He did not mean you won't, you'll be fine from the hit. He meant you've already got it figured out. If you already know you're going to get hit in a fight, Mm -hmm. you're more than halfway to resolving the issue. (laughs) 
that's the universality right there. Like if you're yeah. like you're 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 just you're admitting that because you don't know when that fight's gonna start. You know, I'm I I, I have yeah. Don't want to keep on extending the the, the recording, but it, I had to do a security thing with people I work with, and I'm not gonna go into the details because I don't want to break confidentiality. But you know, one thing I was looking at it, I was like, they're imagining this is an imagined scenario. The scenario that will happen will most likely be one they don't expect, and they don't expect the person to be able to hit them. They expect mm-hmm. to always be in control, right? And the moment that ha- of getting hit is the moment we have to we realize we've lost that control and we're trying to always kind of gain that control back through our martial arts, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. You, like that's you, that's a that's a great place to 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 think about that. And a great that's place where to you come. have to start. You, you're going to get hit, and as Dan is talking about next week, you're going to get hit. That's very Wing Chun. Use that. Get control of them break down their structure then you're good right so like in taiji chuan we say listen understand neutralize control and release so neutralize what comes in control it and then send it away and in wing chun keith what is it kyun kyut which is meet what enters stick to it and escort it away close the gap or fill the void so the same thing block it move it go in and do something something <laughs> it's the same thing i'm gonna let you guys take that one because i don't have i don't have like a cool thing to be like let like go in do the thing and then like do the other thing <laughs> i don't <laughs> well, have so, a cool thing to but add see to there's the universe that universality yeah. but think like Good you know in karate universe. in karate you get punched you block it to move it out of the way you enter into the space where that block has created the void and you hit the person Good it's the same it's universal the same thing. there we go there it is <laughs> john's like oh god let's go let's go <laughs> no no i'm not wait, wait i'm not trying to go anywhere i'm, I'm enjoying i'm like I, i'm absorbing because hearing this because I, I don't get to hear it as often as i'd like to despite being a karate podcaster hearing people being able to 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 reify like to kind of reifies it for me and like makes me remember those those times and things and um seeing two friends be able to talk about that you know makes me more grateful for the times that i've had and those lessons that can reverberate and hopefully people who are listening to this or watching this can get something out of that too gentlemen i want to say thank you so much keith thank you so much for coming on i hope this is the last time we have you um oh hope not I hope not. Um, it's up to y'all. <laughs> it's up to you. Um, I, Dan, you've been, now become, uh, I want to say, almost a mainstay. So it's good to have good to have you on as well. And uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much. And thank everybody for listening. And uh, everyone, don't forget to keep on training. Peace. And we're out.